Well, good morning, Peer family. As usual, it's so good to be here with you today. And I'm, I'm really excited as we kind of continue to move through this new series called The Gift, the Spirit, and the Church. We're in the midst of a series where we're talking about the Holy Spirit's work in and through the church. And the idea is that the Holy Spirit is a gift, an amazing gift from God that is doing incredible works in our world. And, and one of the big things that the Holy Spirit is up to is creating the church, which in turn is a gift to the world. Today we're talking about just what the church is. And, you know, we're going to be using our imagination today. We're looking at some of the pictures that the Bible gives us to help us think about the church. Using our imagination, I think, is just such a powerful thing when it comes to thinking about God and, and thinking about spiritual things. I mean, it's kind of something where the Bible will give us pictures and analogies to, to help us think these things through, and, and the church is no exception. We're going to see that the Bible gives us three pictures that are really helpful <laughs> to get our minds around just what the church is. The first is that the church is a family. The second is that the church is a temple. And the third is the church as a, as a body, as a human body. Now before we dive in, I just want to ask you this question. I like to, to ask kind of where people are at before we get into a certain teaching. So I wonder for you today, before we start, you know, when you think of the church, what pictures come to mind for you? What comes to mind when I say the word church? If you're like me, a building actually comes to mind. I know so often we talk about how the church is people, not a building. But for, I guess by default, I think of beautiful old church buildings. I love church architecture. That's one of the things I loved about living in Quebec. There was so many beautiful buildings, especially when you go to downtown Montreal. And we kind of live in the land of beautiful churches here in Brockville. That's one of the things I love about it here too. I live close to downtown. There's just some amazing church buildings down there. So maybe when you hear the word church, you think of a beautiful old building. Or maybe you do. Maybe you think of people. Maybe you think of gathering together, worshiping together. Or maybe for you it's the flip side of that. Maybe you've been hurt by the church in the past or people within the church. So there's images that are kind of negative that come to mind of maybe judgment or those people that have hurt you. Well, like I said, whatever we're coming with today, the Bible gives us these three pictures to help guide us. And we're going to see that they provide us some amazing insights into the nature of the church, especially to do with promises that are, that are ours because of what the Spirit is doing in and through the church. And on the other side of that, they also provide us with kind of the, some responsibilities, some responsibilities of those who are members of the church. Okay, let's dive in together now. We're going to start out with this picture of the church as a family. The Apostle Paul, more than once, he likens the church to a family. And he says that actually the church is the family of God. We can read about that, for instance, in Ephesians 2, verses 17 to 19. Let's read that together. I'm going to be reading from the NET translation for most of today. It says, And he came, talking about Jesus, and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near, so that through him 
we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So when, so then, sorry, you are no longer foreigners and non-citizens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. There we go, members of God's household. In other words, Jesus has brought us all into the family of God, that we are all members of God's household. And, and all that comes with that is ours because of Jesus. And, you know, when he talks about those who are near and those who are far, he's talking about a long line of thinking about God's people. You see, there, for the longest time, it was kind of thought that you've got God's people, the Israelites, the insiders, those who have special access to God, and then you've got the Gentiles who don't, who don't have special access, who aren't part of the family. And there was kind of a clear division there, especially around adherence to the law, circumcision, and that sort of thing. And that division had concrete form, actually, in the temple itself. I'm told that in Jesus' day, in Paul's day, um, before the destruction of the temple, there was, you've got kind of the inner part of the temple, the most important part, the, the part, the, the holy of holies, where it was believed that God's presence dwelt. And only the Israelites could get anywhere near that. And there was a wall that was there that beyond that point, you know, no Gentiles could enter in. And it was to keep Gentiles out. It was to kind of keep Gentiles um, far enough away from that special place. So Gentiles weren't part of the family. <laughs> but, but Paul is saying that all that is done, that division, that wall has been broken down by Jesus so that by the Spirit, all are welcomed into the family of God. And that includes all the special privileges that come with that. Paul also says that all are now fellow citizens because of what Jesus has done, because of the work of the Spirit. And, and that brings to mind kind of privilege and benefits. I mean, we can think of what it means to be a Canadian citizen and all the rights and privileges that come with that. Imagine now being a member of or a citizen of the kingdom of God. And not only just being any sort of citizen, but Jesus has made so that we're part of the family. <laughs> we're part of the royal family, so to speak. And all the rights and privileges <laughs> that come with that, which Paul in the New Testament explores. And here we see maybe one of the most important ones that we have access by the Spirit to the Father. And you know what? The thing is, this is true, not just at the collective level that we collectively are the family of God, but it's true right down to the individual, to the core of each individual. The Bible tells us that each of us are children of God. Paul talks about this in Romans, Romans verses 15 to 17. Here's what it says there. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Each of us, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, by whom we can intimately call God Father and relate to God as Jesus relates to God. The Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, then heirs, namely heirs of God and also fellow heirs with Christ. So all that we were talking about, all the privileges, the rights and privileges, and now the intimacy with God 
to each individual as part of the church that's available by the Spirit. And something that I want for us to take away today, that idea of being children of God, that is something that you can build your identity off of. That's a foundation that's sure and secure for us all to build our identity off of. When we talk about the question of who am I and what's my purpose and why am I here and who am I down to my core, I'm told that that is the best place to start, that we are children of God. And Paul tells us that here. And now, the flip side of this, though, is that, and we're going to see that with each of these pictures, is that there is a responsibility that comes with this insight. Being part of the family of God comes with some responsibilities. It's kind of like this. If you're part of the family now, you got to act like it. <laughs> so in other words, we take Jesus as our guide. We take Jesus as our model, example, and we, we think about his teachings as our guide. And, and because we're now part of the family, we start acting more and more like Jesus. The citizenship thing works as well. You think about what it means, again, to be a Canadian citizen, right? Sure, I can have access to health care because of being a Canadian citizen, but on the flip side, I have to pay taxes. Um, by being a Canadian citizen, I can have a driver's license, but in order to keep that, I have to go by the rules of the road. It's that sort of thing that's going on here. There's responsibilities for each of us as being members of the family of God, but they pale in comparison to the good and the kind of what comes with being a family. And one of the things, just before we move on to the next picture that I would zone in on for a second, is when it comes to how we conduct ourselves, that's really important in terms of how we treat each other. If we think about it, what Paul's saying, there's no longer room for any kind of inner circles. There's no longer room for us against them within the church. And lest that we think that this is an exclusive group that we're talking about here, we can't have that mentality between us and those outside of the church. The church is a gift to the world. The church is an ever-growing family, a family with no sharp divisions. We the Spirit is surprising all the time, bringing in people through all different means that maybe we didn't think impossible, and bringing in people that we wouldn't expect. So the, the family is always growing, and we always have to have that openness. Okay, so that's the first picture, that of a family. The second picture is that of a temple, the temple of God. And actually, Paul slides right into it in our passage in Ephesians. So Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, it starts out, you know, with what we've said. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. And then it moves on. Because you have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. There it is right there. And then drawing the point home, he says, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The church we see now is like a building project with Jesus as the foundation, with Jesus as the cornerstone. And the building that's being erected is no ordinary building. 
no ordinary house if we think of the household. This is the new temple of God, the place where God dwells, where God's presence is specially there. And this means that God isn't a distant father. That word for temple there in the Greek, it's naos. And that doesn't just point to the temple in general. It zeroes right in on the sanctuary, that place where God's presence was especially there in a powerful way. The Strong's Lexicon says that it's referring to the place that consists of the holy place and the holy of holies. So Paul is teaching that the church is God's naos, God's temple sanctuary where God dwells. The message translation says it's a place in which God is quite at home. Now, Gordon Fee is someone who I've taken quite a bit from for today and kind of through this series. He's written a book, really great one, a big one, called God's Empowering Presence. Here's what he says. If we're looking for God's special presence, here is the place of God's presence in the midst of his people, especially as they are gathered to worship him and to instruct one another. The church is God's temple. And Fee goes on to talk about how this is extremely significant for Paul. This is one of Paul's favorite pictures for the church. He says it's impossible to overstress how significant this is for Paul that we are God's temple. So it's central for how Paul thinks about the church. And just like the family idea was true for each individual, this is as well. It's not that God just kind of dwells in our midst. It's also true that God dwells in each of us by the Spirit. What's true at the big level is true at the individual level as well. God, or sorry, Paul makes that clear in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, where he says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who is in you individually? God's presence is in us as well as all around us. That intimacy is there because of the Holy Spirit. That's an incredible thing to grab a hold of. But again, we can talk about now responsibilities that come with that. Paul talks about in another place, in 1 Corinthians 3, that not only is this a building project that we're part of, it's actually a joint building project. There's a part for us to play as well. We see it first with Paul. He says that he had an important part to play and also one of his colleagues, I guess you could say, Apollos had a part to play as well. So he says that using the gift God gave me as a good architect, Paul's part was to design the blueprints. And Apollos was putting up the walls, as the message translation says. And that's verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 3. And as I said, that because this is no ordinary house that we're building, Paul goes on to say that because each of us are kind of like taking part in this building project, we have to do it with great care. This is the temple of God we're talking about here. So he says, let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. And remember, there is only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. So there's going to be more people that come and help in this building project. And all the while, the key is to remember that it's Jesus 
who's the foundation. And also that relates to the materials that are chosen. Paul says that we should take care, in particular, in picking out our building materials. And the building materials that he lists are gold, silver, precious stones. This is an allusion to Solomon's temple. Those are the same kind of materials used for Solomon's temple in the Old Testament. All of this points to the idea that as God's temple sanctuary, the church is extremely valuable. We have a part to play in building the church, but we need to treat it with utmost care and with utmost value, and that applies at the local church level as well. And let me tell you, when I read that, that impacts me quite a lot, to say the least. As a pastor, I have a role to play in this building project. That brings such tremendous, I guess, um, meaning to what I do in ministry. But I also see just how much responsibility is there. And that applies to all of us. You know, how much value in our actions are we placing on the church? Do we treat the local church with the kind of value it deserves, with our priorities, with our actions? Because here we're called to treat it with extreme value as the temple of God. So that's the second one. We're going to now move into the third one. And, and I should say that today we're definitely not doing an exhaustive study by any means on these pictures. We're kind of doing an overview on them. Um, I thought about maybe splitting them up, but I think we'll be able to do more of the digging when we get into kind of our further weeks in our series. But also remember that in our peer groups, we're going to be exploring these ideas as well. So that's going to be a great chance to go a bit further in each of these pictures. Okay, so not only is the church a family, not only is it the temple of God, but it also can be pictured as a human body. And that body is the body of Christ. Paul talks about this in a number of places. Um, one of the ones that we can go to today would be 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 16. You can read about it there. I'm just going to read the first two of those, um, so 12 to 14. He says, For just as the body is one, and yet has many parts, just as the human body you know, has, is one but has many parts, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so too is Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. So by the spirit, we all, the church comes together to make up the body of Christ, the one body of Christ. And then he says, whether Jews or Greeks or slaves or free, we're all made to drink of the one spirit. It's the spirit that's doing this, the spirit that's unifying, regardless of anyone's background. For in fact, the body is not a single member, but many. There's a couple points that we're going to focus in on in there at the beginning and the end, but just in general, Think about that for a minute. It talks about that in the church, God is creating a human body. N.T. Wright points out how that is linked to another place in the Bible where we read about God making a human body. That's all the way back to the beginning in Genesis 1 and 2 where we read about God creating humanity. And the important thing is he's creating humanity in his image. So here, what we have that's going on here, if we tie it to that, we see that the church 
is a new creation. It's a new human in the likeness of Jesus, so to speak. And that's pretty cool to think about. So N.T. Wright says this, the church is to be the place where together we learn to, how to be God's genuinely human beings. We learn how to be human in the church. That's an amazing thought. Worshiping God and serving him by reflecting his image in the world. With Jesus as the focus in the church, we are part of this new creation, this new humanity that God is making. And the thing is, it's a new sort of community as well. Paul using this body uh, picture isn't something that he made up. It, the, the, likening things to a human body was something that was common in his day and before him. Plato used it to talk about kind of the psychology of humans, and it was used often to talk about kind of political communities and how people need to work together to form a political community. So Paul's drawing from this, and he's saying, okay, well, you know, just as this has been, this human body imagery has been used to describe other political entities or, or communities, okay, well, let's think about that when it comes to the church and see that God's making a new community in and through the church. God is making a new kingdom through the church. So in other words, the church is showing how God wants it to be for humans to interact, how, how God has all, all along wanted us to treat each other, how, to, how we might interact in community with love and kindness and respect for each other. That's the, another thing to draw from this idea that the church is the body of Christ. And again, Christ is the one who has started it all and who's guiding it all, and it's all through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now the thing is, the whole thing here, we, we had like the building project of the temple, and now we have this body that the goal is maturity. The goal is growth. And again, we've got a part to play in that. Paul draws that home. The goal here, when it comes to maturity, when it comes to growth, is unity. We saw that a lot in the passage that we read. We see it also in Ephesians 4, where Paul says, and Christ himself gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That is to build up the body of Christ. So there we see that goal, building up, growing the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity. So unity is key of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. A mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. It's a growing body towards maturity, and the goal is Christ. The goal is to be like Christ. And that can only happen if there's unity in the body. And did you catch it there that God gave people to equip people in order to do this? All by the Holy Spirit, you've got these special roles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, which are there to equip others for the work of ministry. We all have a part to play in working toward this unity, this maturity. That is another one of those ones where you're like, wow, I'm, so, I'm kind of surprised that God would trust us <laughs> so much to do this. But there it is. We, God wants to work with us by the Spirit 
to, become, to becoming a community that reveals Christ to the world by the power of the Spirit. Again, that's being unified around Christ by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, the unity there, it's one that involves equality. That's something that's beautiful that we get from these. We, we saw it in the verses before, where in 1 Corinthians 12, it says that in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or slaves or free. It doesn't matter kind of your social status at all there, because that would be the slaves are free in Paul's time would have been major status differences there. He's saying it doesn't matter We are all equal because of the Spirit. And he goes even further in Galatians 3.28 to say that there is actually no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's a unity that's undergirded by equality because of the Spirit. But last thing before we conclude It's a a unity that doesn't mean uniformity. It's a unity where there's diversity (laughs) that's working toward unity. We all have unique roles to play because we're all unique. And we're going to dig into this more in our discussions of the gifts of the Spirit. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 14, it says, Yes, the body has different parts, not just one part. And the message translation says that, each person is given something to do. So there's a diversity of function there, so to speak. This means that we each have a part to play, depending on what the Spirit kind of is doing in and through us. So we aren't uniform. There is diversity. And I just want to add to that, remember that Galatians verse, how it said that, There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. The point here is that it's up to the Spirit what roles we have. And that isn't dependent on or because of or reliant on any kind of natural skills or characteristics we have. And it's not to do with natural circumstances, that whole male or female part in that verse. No, Paul says... All these manifestations or gifts of the Spirit are the work of the Spirit, the one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one of us just as he determines. The Spirit is free to give the gifts and freely gives the gifts regardless of natural abilities or circumstances. That's, I think, something that's really important to keep in mind as well. Okay, so I'm going to conclude now, and I know we've covered a whole bunch of things. So really today, I'm just hoping that we kind of catch different parts of these pictures and and really that it just starts us to really think about the church from these different pictures, from these three pictures. Because I take it that when we are imagining things to do with God, we want to start with the pictures (laughs) that the Bible gives us, and that can help serve as a corrective as well. So when it comes to the church, this might help guide and correct the way that we think about the church, especially through our series. And we saw that from these images, from these pictures, we learned some amazing promises and insights that are ours in the church because of the Holy Spirit. As the family of God, 
we know that the church means that that means each individual is a child of God with all the rights and privileges that comes with that and also with the, the concrete and firm identity that comes from that. As God's temple sanctuary, we know that God dwells in the midst of the church and also in each individual. And that means an amazing intimacy of God with the church because God is specially present in the church. And then lastly, because as the body of Christ, that means the church is the beginning of God's new creation and the beginning of God's new community. Now, from the flip side of this, the responsibilities from the pictures. The church is God's family, so we need to act like it. The church, each of us in the church, we're helping to build the temple, so we need to do so with care, and we need to value the church as God's temple. And third, each of us have diverse roles given from the Spirit for the work of building up the church, so it reaches maturity and unity so that it resembles more and more Jesus. Okay, we're going to have a chance, as I said, to unpack these more and more in our, in our peer groups. But I also invite you, if you have any questions from this, feel free to contact me. I absolutely love it when you email me, when you text me, whatever, <laughs> to ask me questions about my sermons or even just to kind of drop a line, let me know what you thought. So feel free. I love being interactive with these things. I think it's, it's all the more powerful when we can do that. Okay, before we finish off, please let me pray for us today. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much uh, for these pictures that you've given us of your church and what it means coming out of them, that, that we are your family, Lord God, that we are your children. I pray that that truth would hit home for each of us. I believe each of us need to know that down to our core, that we are loved and treasured and that we can build our identity on the fact that we are your children. And also thank you that you've taught us that the church is your temple, that you dwell in our midst. That is an incredible promise. May that prove true day by day and may we learn to take tremendous peace and comfort from that, knowing you dwell in the midst of the church and also that you dwell in each individual as well by your Holy Spirit. And also we thank you that the church is the body of Christ. And we pray that Holy Spirit that you would guide each of us to do our parts using the amazing gifts that you've given us, that you'd help us to do our part to build up that body so that we can reach maturity and truly represent Christ in this world, to really at the end of the day, being that gift to the world, bringing hope to the world, bringing your presence to the world in the hopes that many would join, would accept that invitation to become part of your family, part of your temple, part of your body. So, Lord Jesus, it's in your name that I pray these things. Amen.